having the first mortgage fall through and having to come up with the creative financing at first, that was very stressful, but then the following year being able to refinance, and then they, they brought it up to 80% loan to value of the appraised version of the property. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. So Francois, it's time for another podcast with the Right Club. And today's guest is Rebecca Young who has a fascinating story. We, um, Danielle, who's a co-founder of, of the Right Club, uh, heard her and, um, and she started so young and it's, she has a really great story. What, what, I mean, we've already done the podcast, so what were your impressions? Well, starting essentially at 17, like laying the ground, the foundations for real estate investing. And then at 21, when she ultimately made a purchase, and the resourcefulness of a, a young woman. I'm really hoping my kids will do the same. They're both fair young adults or teenagers, and I'm hoping they'll they'll learn from uh, Rebecca's uh, learnings. Maybe not the hard way like she did, but anyway, still take the the good part. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I think as as we talked about in in the podcast itself, it's all about uh, you just keep going, and um, you never you never let that no stop you, right? That's it. It's really about persevering, kind of barreling through and getting ahead. That's the only way out. Even as a seasoned investor, you know, Laurel, like there's ups and downs and sometimes you want to give up and (laughs) it's the time when not to give up usually. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's go to the podcast. What do you say? Yes, let's get to it. Okay. So Rebecca, welcome to the Right Club podcast. It's uh, great to have you here. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So you're based in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, you've got a, a pretty cool story, which people will really like to hear. Um, you, you started off small, right? And, and fairly young. And, and then you just kind of exploded. So what got you started in real estate? So tell us what got you started. Um, well, that's a, it's a good question. Um, I think it was a combination of things. My, my mom and my stepdad also had just a couple of rental properties. So I did go out and help them a bit when I was younger, uh, just, you know, sometimes going to collect the rent or I did have the lovely experience of, um, one, one particular tenant in one of their units, uh, just completely, it was a complete disaster. There was cockroaches and we had to just rip out a bunch of stuff and kind of rebuild from there. I think if, I know you guys wanted to build off of the podcast I did before with Tom and Nick Karadza on their show. Really how it came to a head for me was I was on my own when I was younger. I was 17. I was putting myself through school, worked multiple jobs to put myself through school, but then saved all my money because I was a little bit afraid of not having money and happened to uh, go and see an apartment that I was looking to rent, but they told me that it was also available for sale. It was $60,000 at the time. So at the time I had saved up about $26,000 and I thought, okay, well, you know, it might actually be doable if I can kind of just keep saving and see if I can get to that point. And so that opportunity had passed and I found another place to rent instead, but only a few months later, 
I met my boyfriend at the time and he had also had some family experience with people investing in real estate, people that had done, it was his grandfather from England who had done really well with real estate. So he had an interest in real estate investing as well. So all these things kind of came together for me where I found the opportunity for a property in Stony Creek. And uh, we went ahead and purchased that. Originally we had planned for uh, myself just to live in this property. And it was across the street from the Mohawk Star Campus in Stony Creek. So I planned to just kind of essentially rent one of those rooms and then rent all the rest of the rooms in the house. But instead we had actually moved in together by the time we purchased and took possession of that. But then um, the just rent out the basement to students covered the majority of the expenses. And the following year, because of market appreciation and because of fixing up some of the property, I was able to refinance it and take money out. So that was the the light bulb moment of, you know, deferred capital gains and being able to access that equity and have it work for me. And it kind of just grew from there. We had built a portfolio of five properties. Unfortunately, that didn't work out for us and our relationship. So did have to dissolve that. And we each kind of started over with one property. But since then, I I focused a little bit more on what I wanted out of life and the kind of person I wanted to be myself and who I wanted to be with. And then I met Paul, my fiance, and we basically started building. We bought our first place in 2019 and then uh, all the rest of the properties from 2020, I think it was November, 2020 onwards. So it has been a lot of growth in the last what is that a year and a half, I guess, which is kind of crazy in itself, but, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. We're refinancing other properties, getting our initial investments back out and you guys can expect more growth in the future as well. So can I ask you, like, cause people yeah. really, people really like to know this. How, you, how, how old were you? I'm just going to ask you, how old were you when you started? Like just let's 21, 21. Yeah. So, so it is possible at 21 to yeah. start. Cause I think a lot of people, uh, think, oh, I have to, I mean, you did save up some money and, um, but I guess the, the moral of the story is you don't have to wait until you're 31 or 41 or 51. Yes. Do it, right? Oh, a hundred percent. And to be honest, um, that first property was a really unique experience for me because it was, it was very challenging. You know, obviously there's a difference in prices now and a lot of people just, uh, you, you always get the feedback that, oh, it was a lot cheaper in that market back then. But to be honest, I mean, I, I thought I did everything right. You know, I, I had a realtor, we had conditions on the property. I was able to waive my financing. And then about a month before I was supposed to close on the property, the woman I was working with from TD had just basically wrote to me and said, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't do this deal and just completely ghosted me. And I'm 21 and I, I didn't have anyone in my family to help guide me in that scenario. So I just thought, oh my God, I'm going to lose all of my initial investment in this property. And, you know, after uh, being on your own at 17 and working up for that, that was, that was all of my life savings. That just wasn't an option. So I was able to find a mobile mortgage broker and basically they came up with, uh, I got the deal through Oh, at the time, I think it was Home Trust, or I think about that for a second, but it was a first and a second mortgage and a line of credit. And it, like, for me, that was really mind boggling because I thought, okay, well, they're not going to qualify me for uh, like less debt, essentially, and a cheaper rate, but they're going to give me a first and second mortgage and a line of credit to get creative financing to just acquire this property. And uh, it was scary, but I thought, okay, it's one year. I just, I have to, you know, I'll rent it out and because they weren't even counting any rental income and that actually covered a good chunk of the expenses. So I was able to still manage. Okay. And then uh, the following year I was able to refinance. So I guess the point being uh, to your point, I do meet a lot of people that 
I, I think for me, being so young was actually an advantage because I probably just didn't know any better. And I, I created the situation where I, I had to move forward with it, right? Otherwise I would have lost everything. So it wasn't really an option to say, no, this isn't going to work or to look for the perfect opportunity. I just kind of, it's, um, it's like, uh, I saw recently somebody was um, talking about a book that they're reading. I think it was, it's uh, instead of ready, aim, fire, it was like ready, fire, aim. And I, I loved that message, right? Because being so young, I, I just kind of went for it versus I, I find that a lot of people make the mistake where they want to have certain things in place first. And you're, you just don't know what you don't know. And I find in a lot of cases, people just don't get started because then they just come up with more reasons as to why it's not the right time or it's not the perfect scenario. And I'm, I'm going to be 32 this year. And you know, I, like I was saying on that podcast before, I think the, the biggest, more, most valuable skill that I've learned is that uh, regardless of what comes up at this point, I truly believe that I can find a solution to handle it, you know, and, and I think uh, a lot of people don't want to rip off that bandaid, but that I think that's your absolute number one skill in real estate, because stuff's always going to come up. Anything unexpected is always going to come up. I love it. And at 32, you've already had a bit of a rebirth, I guess yeah. you could say. So you had your initial portfolio, then you had to let it go, restart. Sorry, it's, I know it's probably a bit painful, but Again, you were able to leverage that experience at 21, that scary moment. I'm sure you kind of yeah. knew, okay, well, I have resources. There's ways out of this. So can you walk us through restarting? Because you were kind of successful and now you're yeah. a lot more successful, but still that's kind of a scary moment, a turning point. Yeah, that is, it's a great point. Um, so I... I guess I would have, my birthday is later in the year. So it was in 2017, I would have been 26 when uh, my ex and I split up. And yeah, that, that was very, that was hard for a number of reasons. I mean, nobody, like I, I, I know you guys listen to their podcast, but I, I was previously married um, and it, it was hard for a number of reasons, right? It's also, my parents went through a pretty nasty divorce. And for me, it was very important to not follow the same path. And uh, so it was very, uh, it was very just disappointing, you know, but it's, it's not a reason to stay in something that's not working for either of us. It's not really fair, but, um, the interesting thing, I think the thing that actually hit me the hardest, to be honest, was that, um, I felt that real estate had become a bit of my identity. It was the thing that I loved to do. It was something unique. I had all these wonderful experiences where I got to learn. And, um, especially in that same year, um, it's funny because I've been actually reflecting on this recently, but I, I also work in tech and at the office in that year, unfortunately there was a death and, and somebody had decided to take his own life. Um, and unfortunately I was there and I witnessed it. And I think, uh, honestly, that really changed my perspective about being in a nine to five, being in tech. And, and I do enjoy parts of my job and I'm still working in tech, but that um, I think I, I mentioned this because that was a big part of my identity, you know, kind of going through school and getting into research and then getting into tech was very proud of that. I had my own published research. It was a big part of my identity. And then when this happened and, um, you know, it was, it was at IBM and uh, we all kind of classify ourselves as IBMers. So it's a bit of a, like a family atmosphere, right? Environment. And to lose an IBM or like to lose a part of your family. And, and I just felt that the time that the leadership they're they're no longer there. So I think it's safe to say this, but they just didn't handle it very well. You know, they kind of put the blame back on the person. And so there was mental health issues. And, and for me, it was really hard, right? Cause then I felt like, okay, maybe I'm not a part of this family. Maybe I'm a little bit more of a number. And that's when I, I really just doubled down on real estate's my thing, you know? And, um, 
so much so that a lot of my friends will kind of uh, tease me and call me real estate vex. So um, I, I guess I mention all this because basically for me, I just needed to rebuild as quickly as possible. I wanted to learn from my previous mistakes and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to build a portfolio that would be later torn down again. But at the same time, I knew that for myself, regardless of who I was with or what I was doing, I was going to rebuild my portfolio. Um, so yeah, it's funny. Cause I, I actually, I listened back to my podcast with Nick and Tom, uh, just to kind of remember what we had talked about just to, to prep for this as well. And, um, and it was the, I guess the point being that, you know, Nick had said, uh, it's, it's impressive to, cause you, you're rebuilding at such a um, difference in price. Right. But for me, it just, it wasn't even an option. And especially because I just analyze all the deals. Right. So at the end of the day, I, to be honest, I don't even really focus on the, the price tag of the property so much. It's like, what can I qualify for? How do I get this next property and what's cash flowing? So to rebuild. And I, I think it is a really important point for your listeners as well, because, um, it does go back to, you know, a lot of, again, I get feedback from people saying, oh, well, when you started prices were a lot less expensive, but I did go through a period where they were, it was a bit of a sticker shock because it was just a lot more expensive. But I think if you just take that step back and, you know, kind of see the forest through the trees and just focus on your numbers again, ultimately we're not, we're not really buying on appreciation or the, or the, uh, the property prices we're buying for that cash flow Cause that's, you know, where you get security and that's where you get your freedom. Cause that's, that's your passive income. So um, those were my experiences and, and my lessons learned from that. And, and honestly, I, again, I'm really grateful for the experience because like I said, it was, it was tough for a lot of reasons, but at the same time, I know that if I, you know, God forbid, if I had to start over, it's a lot less scary now. It just, you kind of just start to roll with the punches and it makes you stronger. So it all worked out. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break from the show. Hey, right club nation. We want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce you to a longtime supporter of the Right Club and many members of the Right Club Nation, Mr. Dylan Suter of Elevation Realty. Dylan, take it away. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We, as Elevation Realty, are the sponsor for the real estate slot at the Right Club, and we have been attending since the second Right Club. We are an investment-focused, high-volume real estate team serving the Golden Horseshoe from Oakville down to Niagara. If you are looking to increase your cash flows or you want to find an incredible opportunity, we deal with builders, we deal with off-market opportunities, as well as we are very creative and negotiate the best deal for even on-market opportunities. We've helped a number of clients with the right club, find flips, single-family rentals, duplex conversions, three- and four-unit renovations, all the way up to large residential buildings with high cash flow. A little bit about myself, if you haven't heard, personally, I've scaled over 300 doors in the last two years, which has given me a ton of experience in in analyzing all the deals that may come across my desk for you. So if you're interested in learning more, please reach out to us at 905-592-4220, or you can email us at admin at elevationrealty.ca. That is admin at E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca. And let's sit down and create your investment dream portfolio. Guys, and I have to say, I stand behind Elevation and Dylan. They found me. My last few properties have done an amazing job. 100% recommend them. So thank you for all your hard work. Now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. So I'm curious. I mean, you started at 21 and you're now 32. So that's, you know, well, well over 10 years. Um, yeah. How did you learn? Because I think a lot of people, and I would like to know, because 
we're not born, nobody is born knowing how to do real estate. And I put do yeah. in you know, quotation marks. Nobody's known, born knowing how to do that. And um, there is a often, well, I think for Danielle and myself and, and what we've done in our businesses, um, there can be a really steep learning curve. And I don't care whether you go to take courses or whatever, uh, work with mentors, mentors, there's still a steep learning curve. Like that's, yeah. that's just the way it is. So how did you, how did you navigate that at the beginning? Because like, what did you do? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, honestly, I think I just kind of took it one step at a time. Uh, it's funny because my background's in economics and finance, and I'm, I'm kind of laughing because um, I I have uh, a friend was visiting from, we're, we also used to work in tech together, and uh, we caught up with a couple of other engineers last night, and, and we were just talking about, my, my friend's going back to school, so we were kind of talking about that and being in academia, and um, we were talking about our degrees, and to be honest, I, I really value economics and that part of my degree I felt like I learned a lot and being able to navigate what's happening now with our economic climate but for me personally I actually made the comment that I felt that I didn't really learn anything from the finance part of my degree I have a minor in finance and I felt that I, I was learning it on my own um, being in properties before I was taking accounting or I actually took a, a class on real estate investments I think in my I think fourth or maybe fifth year so I'd already been a couple of years into real estate investing and to be honest, I felt like the theory wasn't even really that applicable compared to what I'd already learned, kind of being boots on the ground. And I, you know, when I reflect back on that, I think for me, I was very financially focused because I, when I was on my own, when I was 17, it was already, um, you're, you're very maniacally focused almost on your income and like your, your cash inflows and your cash outflows and budgeting for what bills are coming out. Am I going to have enough money to be able to pay for everything? And for me, um, and I guess it kind of plays into getting that first property. I also reflected back on my first year of school and I had rented a room from a, a house where I think they, I can't remember if they had, I think it was five or six bedrooms, but the family had actually managed to put two of their sons completely through undergrad and medical school. So you're already kind of looking at that. And then I was thinking about how much I was paying for rent and then, you know, calculating it based on like the quick math of what they were making on the property. And, um, you know, in terms of the mortgage, I didn't really understand that at the time, but I, I figured that they were making good money off of it. So really we just, my, my ex and I, we went to a bank and we got, we just talked to a mortgage broker and said, how does this work? And uh, that we got the pre-approval, that was a lot less than what we needed to buy that first property. So we just kind of kept going back to the bank and finding out like, how can we make this work essentially? But when I under, when I had a better understanding of the mortgage, I just built it a, a spreadsheet back then and just like did the quick calculation of, to be honest, my main focus at the time was, hey, I could, I could live for free if I do this right. And that, <laughs> that was my, you know, my biggest motivation. And that's what I was looking forward to. And, and like I said, it was just kind of baby steps because at the time, um, you know, having the first mortgage fall through and having to come up with the creative financing at first, that was very stressful, but then the following year being able to refinance, and then they, they brought it up to 80% loan to value of the appraised version of the property. And even realizing there, like I, to be honest, a lot of it was just kind of dumb luck in a way where you're just, you're kind of going through these scenarios and learning, because like I said, that was my light bulb moment where I thought, wow, I can actually access my money back and it, and it paid for all the debt that I had taken out. I even had some of my initial investment back out and I thought, oh my God, like this, 
if this is how this works, like I could just go and get more properties, right? Like this is wild. And I, I was just so surprised that nobody told me that you could do this. And especially, I know, um, obviously there's, there's some risk associated with that because as you're taking on more and more debt, you want to make sure that you've got enough money on hand to build a cover for emergencies. But I also kind of looked at it like an invisible bank account because I still had 20% of the value in the property. And because of because of how I like disciplined myself in the beginning of saving pretty much all my money, I had, you know, a checking account that I had my daily, I guess, operating expenses for my life out of, but then I also had a savings account that I parked eventually $26,000. So in my mind, it was kind of like, that's the house account. That's the savings account. You know, I don't, I just don't touch that. Um, so, and it's just to say that, you know, I mean, over those 11 years, it just kind of built off of that. I, I found Rockstar. I found um, a mentor through, I, I don't know if you guys are aware of, aware of them rather, but JD and Wendy Singh, um, they, funny enough, a little bit of serendipity, but JD was actually a manager for my ex back in, I think that was starting in uh, 2012 or 2013. I think 2013, but um, they had also been investing in real estate. They actually had 10 properties. And for me, that was like, they were rock star status, right? That I thought, oh my God, if I could get to 10 properties one day, that would be like, I've made it in life, you know? And uh, so just to see that someone else could do it, that was really cool. And just, we became friends and we're still friends today. And they had introduced us to Rockstar, And then it was nice to find a little bit more of a community around it because I, I was, um, you know, I know I mentioned my mom had a couple properties, but that was kind of more influenced from, my great uncle or my grandfather's brother, who she, uh, she wasn't able to work for herself. So he kind of saw an opportunity to teach her how to invest in real estate so that she could have some extra income and help take, like help her take care of herself essentially. So, um, the point being is that it wasn't like that was a resource for me whenever I was having trouble with resource or real estate to go back to her. So I guess it's all to say that I just took it one step at a time. I probably made a ton of mistakes. I learned from it. I, you know, came back stronger over time and then also just finding kind of my community and, and different friends to be able to uh, keep the motivation going. I think that was the most important part of it because it's, you know, like I, I look back on, it, I think overall, I've been pretty lucky with real estate, but there's been like a couple of crazy scenarios where, you know, one of the places I was house hacking, one of my tenants uh, was unfortunately had really down on his luck. He decided to turn to drugs uh, tried to hurt himself. And so, and I was very young, you know, I was in my early twenties still. And the other tenant had knocked my door to say, Hey, you know, this tenant is threatening himself with a knife. And so that was a crazy scenario to, you know, I was so young, I wasn't prepared to deal with that. And, you know, we had to call emergency services. So, you know, like there's some, there's some stuff that was pretty wild, but at the end of the day, um, I think the community was actually the biggest thing for me just to, or even podcasts like this, to be able to listen to other people's stories. And I think all these things just make us stronger overall. And it's, uh, I, I love real estate. I would do it 10 times over again if I had to, because it's just completely changed my life from where I think I should have been statistically. So we're going to take a quick break from the show. Right Club Nation. Let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week. Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas, and for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. That's right, and Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single-family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. Absolutely, and they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls, 
and everywhere in between. They handled everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life, but when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. Really interesting, though, a little earlier about um, uh, going back, um, no, not taking no for an answer. I guess maybe because I think what, I, what I'm hearing you say, and I, and I know for sure that this happens to a lot of people, is that they... Um, they go to ask for a mortgage, whether it's a mortgage broker or a, a bank, whatever it is, right? And the yep. first answer is no, right? No, you don't yep. qualify. No, whatever. No, like come back. But you didn't take that. Yeah. <laughs> because you didn't even know that you, you know, th that that was a wall. You just ignored it and you kept on going back. And I think, <laughs> but I think that's what's really cool that people under, don't understand that just because you get one no, that means yeah. nothing. That means absolutely nothing. Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, I for me, it was kind of frustrating at the time because the, the biggest problem was that they weren't taking my income because I was a teaching assistant, a research assistant, and they were trying to argue that it wasn't guaranteed income. And I mean, like, that's been my biggest challenge throughout the rest of my career as well, that even they only take my base salary, you have to be there for a couple of years before they take the rest of it. But, you know, it's... Um, when you've been doing it for so long and I, I had proof that, you know, I was a really valued employee doing all these research contracts. I was like, I'm, you know, and just being me, I, I said to him, I'm always going to make this kind of income because it's, it's just, I had three jobs when I was in school, like continuously, you know? So for me, that was wild that um, they, that's why the, there was a no. So I just kind of kept going back and challenging because I didn't, you know, maybe it sounds a little arrogant now, but I, I didn't really think it was, it made sense logically. So <laughs> I've always been trying to push that envelope. Um, and, you know, then I just found that the creative financing was, like I said, it was such a light bulb moment for me because I realized that, and JD uh, actually always says this to me that a good deal always gets done, you know? Yeah. So if there's a deal that you really want, you can always make it work. And it, and again, it, it always kind of makes me laugh because it might be really difficult to get that property, but then you get it, you can fix it up and then you can take it back to a lender. And, and if you've done a good job, then usually they're very happy to give you the extra money for the property. So um, like I said, I, I guess I was lucky in a way that I learned that early on in my real estate investing career, but um, that's why I've, you know, and as your network grows and your experience grows, you just kind of learn that as well, that even if, if you do get one no from someone, there's even a community that you can reach out to and say like, hey, I've had, I've run into this roadblock. Has someone else come across this before? What did you do? And it's all about um, as you keep growing, kind of planning for that next step and how, and just almost anticipating those roadblocks and to try and get ahead of them or plan your strategy around it. So that's actually why we started investing in commercial multi-units because it's a lot easier to qualify for properties to get more of them. So I think there's always a way around it for sure. And that's, that leads me to my question. So I was curious, how do you structure your deals now? Because, and now you just covered it with commercial, <clears throat> excuse me, because residential, eventually you do start getting even more no's, but how are you like, what's, what's your corporate setup and all that? Do you mind sharing a bit how, how it's structured to buy all these multifamily properties? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. So right now we have three corporations uh, because two of those are in partnerships. And then we have our own corporation as well, where we're still, still putting money in. And then I still love the birth strategy. And uh, I'm actually really enjoying being in commercial multifamilies, just like, you know, smaller apartment buildings, because I kind of view them as little businesses. And I, it's a lot more, I feel predictable because even in the residential space, you know, we've seen amazing appreciation. Uh, but at the same time, I, I find that that, I think that's going to be a little more volatile this year and being able to use with a commercial financing, you use the income approach. And they ultimately just want to make sure that you have a certain amount of cash flow. So that's been a little bit more predictable. Um, for the JVs that we have, um, one is 60-40 split because we actually do have kind of more active investors on that project, but we were also bringing a lot of expertise. So that's how you know we decided to split it. And uh, both, like, well, actually both sides of the parties were bringing capital into it as well. Um, so that was, I would say that that's really my first JV and that's actually worked out pretty well learned a lot from that. And then for the second one, uh, we just did 50-50. But again, we actually both put in capital because it's kind of a new relationship and want to prove it out. And then for us, it's it's just basically the same for, for Paul and I, for our corporation. It's basically just the same business as usual, but now starting to get into you know, just commercial mortgages and uh, trying to reduce liability because we know that we're going to keep growing that portfolio as well. So just also kind of future-proofing. So that's pretty much it right now. Um, with the with the projects that I've taken on, if I was to look for other JVs, I, I would look for 50-50 still and expect that I wouldn't have to put in capital because I'm bringing that expertise and I, I have a proven track record now. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, uh, you know, JD always says a good deal always gets done. So I think I'd, I never want to shut out any ideas either and, and have a look and see what makes sense for whatever property we'd be looking at or whatever partnerships, you know, um, one of our partners actually comes from a family that invests in hotels and motels and stuff. And I think that would be cool to get into as well. So just trying to keep myself open to that, all those possibilities and lots of additional learning. Yeah. And there's so much, I mean, there's so much to learn, right? There's, there's Oh yeah. <laughs> once you get going, once you stick your toe in that lake, like, it's just like <laughs> the, the oceans are there, right? There's just yeah. so much to learn and so much to do, but you know what, Rebecca, that, that half hour has gone really, really fast. So now we're going to go into our lightning round. Oh, geez. Wow. <laughs> no, it's just like, boom, it's just like crazy. You got so much great information. Okay. Good, I'm glad. So the, all you have to do is just answer the first thing that comes to mind. These are not difficult questions. So okay. here, I'll ask the first one. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. What's the best advice you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? I feel like I said it a couple of times, but a good deal always gets done. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I like it a lot. There's a, isn't there a saying... 
when the student is ready, the, the master or the teacher appears. So it, I find it's kind of the same for real estate deals as well. You're, you're ready. It's going to yeah. happen. It might be tough and painful, like you've said, but it's going to happen and it will be good. So, yeah. Um, so question number two, what is your favorite resource for real estate investing? It could be a book, a person, an event. Um, hmm. Oh man, that's tough. Um, I think over the grand scheme of things, I honestly, Rockstar Real Estate has been a phenomenal source of community for me. So I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Tom and Nick and say Rockstar Real Estate. Okay, that's good. And it's your community. Yeah. And yeah. I I have, I have to agree with you. We wouldn't be where we are without a community. I mean, that's just, you can't do it alone. You just can't. 100%. Okay, question number three. So what do you think is the one thing, if you had to choose one thing, what would be, be the thing that has made you successful? Uh, willingness to fail and fail fast. Oh, good one. All right. Francois? Yes. And so last question or question number four, what do you typically do on a Sunday morning? Uh, well, I mean, that always changes. Sometimes I'm out looking at, pro well, often I'm out looking at properties, but most recently I've actually started jujitsu and they have morning classes at 10 a.m. on Sundays. So that's what I'm committing to doing for at least the next year. <laughs> oh, congratulations. That's great. Good Thank way you. to get there and, and really move and, and, and get, 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 get things going in all kinds of ways, right? Yeah. So, Rebecca, how can people reach you? Uh, so I, I started a YouTube channel over COVID. Uh, it's called five to nine real estate. So kind of a play on not a nine to five, because I do, this is in my five to nine. So that's, I find that that's usually the best way I, I want to be able to reach as many people as possible. So if people support by subscribing to the channel or leaving comments on other videos that they'd like to see, that would be a big help. I'm also very often on Instagram. So I have five to nine.ca as the Instagram page, or if people wanted to add me personally, that's fine too. It's Rebecca D young, uh, just Rebecca D young, sorry. It's Rebecca D young. Um, so that's my personal page. And those, those are usually the best ways to reach me. Okay. Super. Thank you so very much. We really appreciate your time and listen, we'll be watching you with great interest and uh, I'm going to check out your, uh, your YouTube channel too. Let's see what you got there. Yes. We awesome. Yeah. I'd appreciate that. That'd be great. So, um, and uh, thank you so very much. Thank, thank you. you. Really appreciate your time today. And it's been a lot of fun. Okay. Thank you. Cheers. All right. Take care guys. So Francois, there she is. She has a great story and uh, we just, we hope you go and, and, uh, go to our YouTube channel. And uh, speaking of uh, going to YouTube channels or, or letting Rebecca know what's going on, uh, you know, what, what you enjoy with, with her uh, channel, why don't you, um, if you're listening to this, give us a rating for our podcast, because the more uh, we get rated, the more people we can reach and the more people we, we can help, right? Yeah, that's all it's, that's all it is. It's people customizing their lives. And by spreading this message, you're helping others, giving inspiration and possibility and hope. That's right. Exactly. So um, we hope you rate us and we hope you spread the news and come and join us at therightclub.com. And so until next time, see you later. Bye. Yes, customize your life.
Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.